0: General Carla, panel of peril approaching. What do you mean, panel of
1: peril approaching? Dispatch Ajax and Warlock to bring back their spoilers.
2: Welcome to Diabolical, the show where four long-suffering friends dissect film's most dastardly schemes, then try to improve them. I'm your host, Adam, a.k.a. The Cinemaster, And this week's film is sci-fi cult classic Flash Gordon. So, dear listeners, wear a T-shirt with your name on it and empty your memory like you would your pockets. And Let's get eyeballing. Greetings and welcome to this week's pod. Joining me as usual are my friends and fellow podcasters in their guise as the panel of peril. So, my fellow mongos, please tell us, who is your favourite one-hit wonder actor?
1: Hi, Ben here, and my favourite one-hit wonder actor is Jerry Seinfeld. Oh, yeah, they
3: don't come much bigger than that, really, do they? You looked up the same one-hit wonder actor list on Google that I looked at. (laughs)
1: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Is anyone else going to choose him? (laughs) No. I also have Peter Ostrom from Willy Wonka. Ah, of course. But I think, yeah, obviously Jerry Seinfeld is self-imposed, but what a hit.
3: Yeah, B-movie. What a movie.
1: It was a story that needed to be told.
3: (laughs) Story of forbidden love between a bee and a human woman.
1: (laughs) He must have been drinking some coffee that day. Fucking what?
2: what were you guys smoking actually we were eating rotisserie chicken
0: <laughs> <laughs> my name is gaz and my favorite one hit wonder actor is edward furlong who plays john connor in terminator 2 oh yeah oh good i prefer nick Stahl. he was better john connor no nah, shit
2: yeah i like nick Stahl as well yeah i guess you could say he was one-Hit Wonder as well. He's not been in much,
0: is he? Oh, Carnival of... What's the name? Carnival? Carnival. The only other thing I know Edward Furlong from, however, the actor that I did choose, he was in one of the, the many shit Crow sequels. Was he? He was the wow. crow in one of those. Never seen it, I should add.
3: Town of Crows. Great <laughs> here. My favourite one-hit Wonder actor, genuinely, is Henry Thomas from E.T. I know he's in Gangs of New York, but it's only a small part. And I know he's in the Netflix haunting series, but in terms of the big screen, E.T. was really his big thing, and he's so fucking good. Like, you see his audition for E.T., incredible. What about you, Cinemaster? Well,
2: for me, it's not a derogatory pick by any standards, either. It is the absolutely wonderfully horrible Jack Gleason as... Joffrey Baratheon from Game of Thrones
4: mm.
2: who made us all realise ah, actually I'm quite pleased watching a child choke to death
3: <laughs> there you go there's your cut for this section <laughs> <laughs>
2: Raining down natural disasters like hot hail and causing seismic activity amongst film aficionados everywhere. Yeah or Mare stares down on pitiful earthlings as it dispatches its opinion mercilessly on the films of 1980. So chaps, can you give me a yeah or mare for the following films?
1: Caddyshack.
3: I've never seen it. No, me neither. It's a big yeah from me. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, Bill Murray trying to fight the gophers all the way through It's one of the best (laughs) subplots of all time
3: I've seen people talk about it obviously and I've always thought it sounds and looks unfunny as fuck and I never wanted to see Bill Murray doing that because obviously I really love Bill Murray in his Ghostbusters and Groundhog Day persona where he's the smart alecky guy so to see him playing a guy with his lower lip curled up and his hayseed hair and stuff just doesn't appeal to me
0: yeah doesn't appeal to me.
1: But you know what Bill Murray's like so when you see him like like his character in Caddyshack you just yeah. you see it as a, a well done character. Mm. Yeah.
2: Exactly. I also don't like Chevy Chase.
1: Ah. Uh, don't tell him that. It's you in the face. Yeah. How ambivalent. To
2: balance that out a little bit then Airplane.
4: Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 Ah uh, so good.
3: Pretty good year for comedy films. Popeye. Nah. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I've never seen it. Never seen it? Robert Altman one. But I, I've been told and believe that it is very good and I, I've is. been meaning to see it.
1: I like it, yeah. It's one of those that it's like a staple of 80s childhood, that one.
3: Oh, that was great. You know that I didn't watch any 80s childhood staple films? Yeah. I told you this before.
1: <laughs> you were too busy watching Steven Seagal films. Yeah, I was watching Out for Justice, Block <laughs> for
3: Death, Predator. I didn't have a cinematic childhood yeah not really well you must have seen the next one Superman 2 yeah yeah and Superman 2 yeah
4: yeah. don't remember is yeah. that
2: the one where he goes bad that's three it's, uh, what's his name Terrence
0: Stamp and his cronies yeah it's flawed when it's good it's very good but
1: uh, I, I, I prefer the third one with Richard is that with Richard Pryor the third one isn't
0: it yeah they hired him to improvise his own dialogue And steal the show, and he was such a big fan of the Superman character that he refused and stuck to the banal script that they gave him. (laughs) Brilliant.
2: (laughs) And last but not least, the fog.
0: Yeah, yeah. I
3: don't think I've ever seen it. Oh, yeah, good, good movie, the fog. Yeah, very good.
2: We have already cast our judgment on two other films of 1980: The Blues Brothers in episode 50 and The Empire Strikes Back in episode 54, which are well worth an hour of your time. Flash Gordon was directed by Mike Hodges and produced by Dino De Laurentiis. The film stars Sam J. Jones as a titular hero, Flash Gordon, and features Max von Sydow as the villainous Ming the Merciless. It had a budget of around $20 million and grossed approximately $27 million at the box office. Upon its release, Flash Gordon received mixed reviews from critics. The cast of Flash Gordon was originally signed on for a trilogy, with this movie serving as the first part. However, there were problems with Sam Jones during post-production, which cast out on a sequel. and When the movie disappointed at the domestic box office, finished the sequels entirely. However, it has since gained a cult following due to its campy and colourful style. The film is also known for its iconic soundtrack composed by legendary rock band Queen. The song Flash has become a memorable part of the movie's legacy, only recently tarnished by a domestic cleaning product advertising campaign. Ooh! (laughs) Flash Gordon is a delicious, over-the-top, sci-fi swashbuckler and remains a cult classic to this day but what do the rest of the guys think gaz did flash gordon have you singing ah or wanting to put your hand inside the stump
0: i don't know what that last bit's referring to so I'm just going to say that I didn't enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) I must have looked away at the internet during whatever that bit is. (laughs) I assume you're talking about Dune with the box where you can't move. But as for Flash Gordon, (laughs) I just don't get the appeal of it as opposed to something like Batman 66, the campness, and the low-rent nature being used as a virtue. In this one, they're trying to do... Something similar. I didn't find it funny or I didn't enjoy the shitness of the effects. Brian Blessed, I was thinking, have I ever seen Brian Blessed give like an actual good dramatic performance? I don't think so. I found him twatty and annoying in this. (laughs) 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 The only redeeming feature of it is the main theme by Queen for me and those opening credits with the comic book panels being used yeah just not to my taste did not like it attention waned <laughs> dear oh dear
1: brian we'd like you to play this character he's a, a leader of birdman can i make him twatty and annoying yes brian then i'm in <laughs> <laughs> can i <laughs> shout <laughs> funnily enough brian
2: blessed actually read the comics when he was a kid and then he demanded de Laurentiis put him in the role
1: oh you're not saying no to blessed are you he went into his office
2: and Dino oh, De nice. had the comic strips up with Voltan on it and he was like you see Dean Dino it's me I bloody kill you if you don't give me this role honestly that's what he said and so he gave him the role <laughs>
1: I think that's how he's got all his acting parts in it, surely. <laughs> Threatening death. He was
2: uh, obviously thrilled to bits about getting the role, and apparently he ruined loads of scenes by like, having his laser gun and going pew, pew, pew. And they're like, Brian, <laughs> cuts. We put in the pew, pew sounds later. You don't need to make them yourself.
1: <laughs> Is that why they just gave him that club in the end? <laughs> Take the lasers away from Brian. It must have been something
2: like that, anyway. Well, I'm sorry, guys, you didn't enjoy it. That's, that's a shame. That's all right. I'll live. <laughs>
3: Craig. Funny that Gaz mentioned Batman 66 because the screenplay was by Lorenzo Semple Jr., creator of Batman. Yeah. TV series. Wow. And that was my one disappointment really was that this wasn't funny in the same way that Batman the movie is. But on the whole, I pretty much enjoyed it. I mean, mm-hmm. the effects, they're not as good as some of the stuff from the time, but they're better than other things. Obviously it feels inauthentic relative to Star Wars, but that's not really to its detriment, I don't think. It kind mm-hmm. of it works for the tone that they were going for. I think Max von Sydow is great. Yeah. I think Ming looks great. I really like the gold guy as well. Clitus, yeah. Clitus the slack jawed spaceman. <laughs> 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 On the whole, I enjoyed it. I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I did. So it was a nice nice surprise. That's very good. Ben? Uh
1: yeah, it was just okay for me, dog. Okay. <laughs> it starts off intriguingly enough. The music kicks in and you think you're in for a real treat. Yeah. <laughs> then you sort of rattle through the first act, which feels forced and a bit contrived, but at least it's quick. Then you get to the second act and then it tries to do way too much, I thought, and it kind of loses its way. They mentioned the ticking clock of the, uh, the countdown to Earth's destruction so many times that it loses all sense of urgency by the end. <laughs> by the end, it's kind of anticlimactic. At that point, you've heard the theme song so many times, it's starting to lose its sheen. Yeah. I thought there were some excellent moments, though, and some iconic performances, particularly Max van Sydow, who we've already mentioned. I thought, actually, as Ming, he's, he's very, very good. But I just don't think there's enough in there to make it an all timer. So it gets a uh, watch it once in case someone mentions it in passing. Out of five. And that's out of five. <laughs>
2: well, as for me, I've got a soft spot for it. I haven't seen it for a few years. And when I first started watching it, I couldn't remember the first act of it. I thought this is a bit clanky, and then the special effects. And I thought, oh, is it? If I got some kind of weird crossover memory with another film, it being good. But then once it gets into it, and you start seeing the sets and the costume designs and everything, then you just think it really. It's just a great big over budgeted B movie, and you just start enjoying it. And then obviously the score. Why I deliberately chose this film and uh, Yellow Submarine because the two films made in the, in the same vein, sort of really, was Yellow Submarine was a vehicle for the Beatles and they shoehorned all the songs in to try and build a film out of it. This, they approached Queen and said, look, can you make a soundtrack for this? And they were given free reign and then Queen produced it and then they actually used the audio from the film into it as well, and the whole film. Yeah. And I just love that juxtaposition of the two, the two films and I thought, well, one's made that way, and one's the other, and I just thought it's it's great. And obviously, the soundtrack lifts it up a little bit to a, a better film, in my opinion, anyway. But I still love it. Just it's the visuals, some of the performances are great. You see in Timothy Dalton before he hits the big time as Bond, mm. he has some fantastic lines, and he's he just looks like he's having a great time. Max von Sydow is having awesome time playing. Probably one of the, the, the biggest baddies on screen ever. He's very memorable, you know, considering this is only this one film, people always remember Ming the Merciless.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, there's the old series, isn't there? The old black and white ones that yeah. they did.
2: Yeah. But I think he makes this role very memorable. Yeah. I think he's just having a great time doing that. And then Tricky Dicky Richard O'Brien's in it as well. And then mm. I was like, it's got all these little actors throughout and Peter Duncan from Blue Peter and stuff like that as well. It's just once you. You sort of let go and just go, okay, this is a bit of a silly film. Doesn't make an awful lot of sense at some points, but it is what it is. It's just great. I really found it a fantastic little romp, to be honest. And it is let down, really, by its star actor, who is a nobody. Has never been anybody. Wasn't anybody before it. And he wasn't really anybody until he got the Ted rolls.
3: Yeah. Good hair, though. He looks right, doesn't he? He looks like a Superman. He looks like... yeah. He looks like if Sylvester Stallone and Bridget Nielsen had had a child in the past. Aryan dream.
2: Well, they dyed his hair, didn't they, as well? He's got dark hair. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? He came over. I think they dyed his hair. He did the screen test, and that was it. He got the role because I think it was somebody's mum or, or sister or something saw him on an episode or something said, look, this is, your, this is your Flash Gordon. and They got him over, and that was it.
1: A star you may or may not have noticed in this film. At the very beginning, he went on to become a, a very big star. Very big. Did anyone notice him? He's in it for a fleeting 20 seconds. I don't know who he's talking about.
3: I'll tell you, if you tell me who it is, I'll tell you.
1: <laughs> he was loading the plane that Flash Gordon and Dale get into. Did you notice who that was? I, I clocked it, paused it. I was like, oh my God, it is as well. And then yeah, I, I looked up.
0: I know.
1: Robbie Coltrane? Was you it? Know, right?
0: Do you know what? I did. Yeah? Yeah, now that you mention it, I did, yeah. <laughs> no, nah, passed me by. I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, oh, we're like Robbie Coltrane and just completely forgot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> was a deep Roy's in it as uh, the princess's pet. Yeah. He went on to become boy. the Oompa yeah. in Tim Burton's yeah. Chinese Hobbit factory.
2: Do you know who else was considered for the role? Who, who turned it down and who was turned down?
3: the role of the guy packing the yeah Flash oh not the <laughs> Robbie Coltrane role no
2: no that no, was only Robbie Coltrane he's a fielder one Marlon Brando Marlon Brando yeah <laughs> Christopher Biggins <laughs> Kurt Russell turned it down
1: <laughs> okay
2: really? that would have been good because he thought there wasn't much to the character Flash himself mm. quite right Schwarzenegger was turned down because of his heavy Austrian accent but De Laurentiis <laughs> obviously cast him two years later as Conan
3: yeah wow an all American football player, man. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Who should I do? What
0: does he do? Get to the hover space bike. Go. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Favorite sequences. We'll
3: start with Craig the one I've picked because it was the one to me that showed a small spark of that Lorenzo simple Junior magic is the one where flash has a fight with Ming's guards for the first time but instead of <laughs> fighting he's tossing around a thing like it's an American football and Dale's like cheerleading for him I thought that was some campy fun.
1: That is proper camp magic in it. Yeah, like he tries to fight the first time, has no luck at all. But then as soon as he's holding a golden head, yeah.
0: (laughs) Gaz, you got any favourite bits or? Not really. Just just as I mentioned (laughs) before the opening credits, I enjoyed Mm. and like like Ben said, I thought, oh, we're off off for a good one here. Based on that, and then I was sorely mistaken.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's been a while since we've had a pick where somebody hasn't absolutely. Brought the tone down with how
2: much they hated it, right? I can count on Gaz.
1: (laughs) I know one bit Gaz must have liked, and that must have been the sexy pillow fight. (laughs) Oh, who doesn't love Uh, a sexy pillow fight? Oh, Oh, sexy pillow fight! Oh, I did make a note
0: of (laughs) that. I
1: bet you did. But you made several (laughs) vigorous notes. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, Ben. I've just realised looking at my highlights that all of them are just me making fun of the film I can't find of anything that I genuinely like that's fine yeah I've got the song kicking in which I've already mentioned when Flash Gordon's being flown by the Birdman in cuffs he's in between two Birdmen and he's cuffed one on each side can you imagine the pain of that oh, yeah. being held up in the
0: air and they're above him so his shoulders are bent back futuristic crucifixion isn't it yeah Flash is the new Christ New Christ. N-U-Christ. Slick back hair. Tight T-shirt. Which blonde hair. New Christ. Come and see.
1: The bit I thought was probably the best acting throughout was when Ming is torturing or trying to wipe the mind of Dr. Zarkov. Yeah. It's really well played and it, you really buy him as a villain.
3: Yeah, that whole memory wipe sequence is pretty cool. Nicely
1: edited. Yeah.
2: I like the fight with... Baron and Flash went on the tilting table. Oh yeah, the spikes popping up. Yeah, the whole sequence there—it goes on for quite a while, doesn't it? And then obviously uh, Clytus turns
3: up. Yeah, I forgot about that. It's really well choreographed. Like when they yeah. were landing, and it, it looked like they were not rubbery. Those spikes. No,
1: Prince Baron. What a fucking stupid name, though. Yeah, it's Baron, <laughs> isn't it?
3: With I. I thought that. At first. Yeah,
1: but everyone called it Prince Baron. Yeah, because <laughs> it turns to a schwa, doesn't it? Yeah. My favourite bit from that
2: sequence is where eventually Clytus gets thrown onto the spikes, doesn't he? His body's, like, dissolving, but then his eyes, mm. like, pop out of his head, and I was like,
3: ah! Oh! <laughs> I will say as well, though, a couple of things. This film's really weirdly horny. Yeah. yeah. That arborea initiation sequence with the stump that you were talking about is, like, mm. really homoerotic for some reason. <laughs> yeah! And then the noise of the doors opening is really, it's like a woman moaning. It's like, ah! Oh. Boing. Uh, <laughs>
1: <that's
3: really odd. laughs> boing and then the other thing that I would say is you guys know me as probably the world's second foremost fan of Queen <laughs> yeah Emma my partner being the first and she and I do not like the Flash Bun Tantra I even have do you not? the Flash Funko Pop special edition CD cover up there. With, yeah. And we've got five Freddie Funko Pops. We don't collect Funko Pops. I just Freddie Mercury ones. <laughs> and we've got the Flash T-shirt one up there. But the worst abomination of music in this film for me is Brian May playing a fucking wedding march on John's guitar. What a prick. Oh,
2: I've got that as a, <laughs> as a highlight. <laughs> oh,
3: oh, terrible. Terrible.
1: I've just got intergalactic wedding theme. Exclamation (laughs) mark!
3: Apparently, there's a video somewhere, hopefully YouTube, of um, Queen playing along to the, you know, the movie on a big screen when they were recording it.
2: Yeah, that's it. They they were given the film after it was Mm. recorded, and they just did it. But they were given total freedom to do what they wanted with it, and that's why Mm. they went for it. It's a really interesting project from that point of view. Certainly for them, I really liked it. I forgot to say earlier as well. You know who originally tried to get the rights for Flash Gordon.
3: Failed. Mm, Marlon Brando. <laughs> yeah, George Lucas. And he yep. uh, he wanted to make Flash Gordon. He made Star Wars. Yeah. It was just after
2: American Graffiti tried to do it, but apparently there was so many hoops to jump through and stuff like that, he gave up and went, I'll actually, I'm going to write my own.
3: Yeah. And that was it. And so he did. And then he wrote the Journal of the Wills.
1: Can we share some stupid shit now? I've got quite a long list. Stupid shit? What, lines? Well, kind of line, I guess. Mongo miles? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How many Mongo miles is it? <laughs> oh, that makes it
2: spacey. 29.15, mingo me time.
3: <laughs> <laughs> That's quite Batmanish. I quite like those. Oh, it's so, so camp. It's great. I love it. There's some stupid sound effects of the Hawkmen when they double take him. Yeah, I can't remember how they went, but I made a note that they were cheap and sound effects. <laughs> right at the start,
1: I was just like, my eyes are rolling back in my head. It goes from like, hurricane, earthquake, hot hail. Hot, hot hail. My note yeah. says, hot hail. Ooh, you bad bastard. Yeah. Mm.
2: Hot bovril, gravel and cabbage. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Gaz, you got any uh, favourite little campy lines or campy moments? When they land on the forest planet. Flash and Dale when they're walking through the canopy, it sounds like they're walking towards a load of orgasming ewoks. There's just a lot of moaning going (laughs) on. He's just like, What the hell is going on here? And then they're just standing there doing nothing when (laughs) when they're through the canopy. It's like, Well, what was all that noise about?
3: I think it's Richard (laughs) O'Brien's instrument that he's playing. That's what it sounds like. Yeah.
2: Richard O'Brien playing his uh, pink oboe.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and the old Lorenzo Semple Jr. classic, which is putting a question mark after the end. At the end. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So the good. living end.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say as well, it's, it's like a, it's a combination of a sequence and a couple of lines. It's when Ming does that funky thing to Dale, and she goes what happened to me? your Flash goes, I don't know, but it was pretty sensational.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> I've never seen a woman do that before, but it looked like you enjoyed it.
1: <laughs> Since it looks like we're on lines, I'll go for a classic Ming line. Yeah. Remove the Earth Woman. Prepare her for our pleasure. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Get her warmed up.
1: Following on from that line,
0: bring in Ming, his drink. I haven't actually made a note of who says it, but somebody says, it's from the galaxy of pleasure. Many brave men died to bring you it. <laughs> 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 the galaxy of pleasure. <laughs> Whoa.
1: Why aren't we all living there? What yeah. are we doing on Mongo?
0: Fools. Absolute fools we are. Barren
1: shit house.
3: <laughs> I think because it wasn't a funny screenplay, I intentionally went for a line that I thought was actually quite good, which is another Ming one Pathetic Earthlings hurling your buddies out into the void without the slightest inkling of who or what is out here. If you had known anything about the true nature of the universe, anything at all, you would have hidden from it in terror. Yes. I think that's what we should do with space. You anti-space explosion? Well, it's only if Elon Musk's in charge of it. Why don't we just let AI take control of the space
2: program and then it'll go off and... Destroy the universe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My favourite line from Timothy Dalton is, freeze, you bloody bastards. <laughs> yes!
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's only ever been a phrase in films, hasn't it? Dalton in this, Charlton Heston in Planet of the Apes. You bloody bastards.
1: Is no one going to share the, the line from the film?
3: What, Gordon's alive?
1: Exactly. Gordon's alive!
3: Gordon's Those alive! do everyone do you best obvious. impression. Gordon's alive? Mm, Gordon's alive.
2: Uh, sorry, uh, Gordon's, uh, alive. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've got another line that I liked princess aura when she sees i don't know i assume it's probably dale crying i didn't make a notice of who it is but she just goes oh water is leaking from their eyes water it's a sign of their weakness because it's a slightly different word in space for water
1: another line from her that's amazing father damn you father
0: (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) Yeah, she gets some pearlers, doesn't she? They all get their crack, don't they, to be honest. And I'll say my last couple of lines is uh, between Dale and Flash. She says, boy, I've got some crazy stories for you. Flash turns around and says, saving for our kids.
1: <laughs> Very presumptuous, that. Very presumptuous. And she's like, oh, really? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what he doesn't know is that space radiation makes you impotent.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. He is totally... He's as impotent as a Nevada boxing commissioner. (laughs) (laughs) Ming the Merciless, ruler of the distant planet Mongo, seeks to assert his dominance over the universe. Ming uses his advanced technology and manipulation to wreak havoc on Earth and other kingdoms keeping rival factions at each other's throats so they don't band together and fight him as a united force. That is, until Flash comes along. Craig, what do you think of Ming's plan?
3: He's the epitome of hubris, isn't he? He's so confident in his grip over the people that he doesn't even see the possibility of insurrection that's all around him. Even before Flash kind of steps in, the princes are not very respectful of him. Clearly his own daughter isn't either. It was like a viper's nest and any one of them could have set it off. Maybe not all of them could have brought everyone together. That's probably the difference. So I don't think that he really had a plan. And I think that him fucking around, bored, you know, shitting on other planets is just the actions of a fool who's just pissing around and, should keep his eye on the people close to him instead. Okay.
0: Get us. Yeah, same as Craig. There's no real planet is there. He's, he's just doing whatever takes his mood at the time. I'll just I'll just fucking hot hail earth and crash the sun into it. Yeah, why not? That's something to do in it. That will keep me <laughs> amused for a couple of hours. Shag this woman who's randomly appeared with my juice from the uh, galaxy of pleasure. Why not? They're both available. Fuck <laughs> <it>. <laughs> He's the Ricky Gervais of the super villain world. <laughs> so, yeah, not great on the whole.
1: Very good. Okay, Ben. I'd say he does mention his motivation for attacking Earth, and that's testing the planets to see whether yeah. they're capable of mounting an attack on him. He figures that if they can't withstand his natural disasters, then they're not strong enough to pose him a threat. But even so, it's a weird plan, and he could have killed Flash Gordon many, many times, could have even prepared him for his pleasure. So, for not dealing with the things going on around him, as Craig mentioned, and not killing Flash quicker, he only gets two florets of PVC broccoli.
3: Oh dear. Oh, I thought he was going to get two florets of mongo broccoli or something like that, Mongocle.
1: Let me try again. He only gets two florets of mongo broccoli from me. Oh. Came up with that off the top of your head. <laughs> <laughs> I did just now.
2: I think you've all been incredibly old Ming, there, because he's uh, approached this whole plan as, a, it ain't broke, don't fix it. So he's carried on doing what he's done, poking various things, planets, hornets' nests. Usually nothing happens, but this time, some sort of uh, American football players, you know, stroke universal god or something has, has decided no, enough is enough unfortunately for him he thinks he executes Flash doesn't he but then his daughter is actually steps in and saves him so for all intents and purposes he believes the job was already done mm. pretty quick but he didn't realise his daughter was going to interfere thanks to this uh, blonde bastard landing on this planet
1: bloody blonde bastards <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: For all intents and purposes, Ming believes he has executed Gordon. Until his pesky daughter, Princess Aura, reveals she's only gone and saved him. After reviving Gordon, they embark on uniting the warring factions of Mongo. Despite a last-ditch attempt by Ming to tempt Gordon, the rivals join together to rid the planet and the universe of Ming for good. But can we help Ming? get rid of Flash before he causes too much bother. Ben, what would you have done differently?
1: Ming brushes the creases from his PVC wedding suit and admires himself in his reflectinator. Powerful and handsome, he says aloud, before running the index and pinky fingers of his right hand across his brows. Preened and pampered, he minces purposefully into the throne room and cocks an ear. Is that the sound of a laser beam, he hears outside? An announcement sounds soon after, informing everyone that it is a salute in honour of the royal wedding. Ming glances outside to see the mesmeric rays dance across the sky in his honour, but spots something else instead. He sees hundreds of dirty birdmen and a massive ship in the distance. He squints to ascertain if they are approaching or stationary. If approaching, their movement must be very sluggish indeed. They could just be out for a bit of a hover. Better not risk it, he decides. Pause the wedding while we deal with the peril that slowly approaches, he commands. Activate the anti Birdman devices. Ming wraps his arm around his bride-to-be and leads her to the window. Watch, my dear as these traps I had prepared ages ago wreak havoc among the birdmen. They think I didn't know of their treacherous ways. Ha! Dale watches in tears as a giant golden hand appears from the ground. It's holding something. A long leather cord with a hunk of meat tied at the other end. (laughs) The hand begins to spin. As it picks up speed, the meat whizzes around, catching the attention of the greedy Brian Birdman, leader of the Dirty Birdmen. He swoops down to get it, but it's moving too quickly. So he follows it around and around, ordering his men to join him in pursuit. As his men approach at break-nail speed, a large wooden structure appears from the ground nearby. It looks like a house, but without walls, and it seems to be on a long pole. What's more, there's an entire floor covered in seeds and nuts. Every single birdman swoops down to enjoy some lovely feed, a cheeping and a squawking. With the filthy birdman out the way, Ming commands his guards to focus all fire on the incoming ship, and soon it is blown to smithereens. Impressed by the calculated decisiveness of Ming's actions, Dale decides marrying such a powerful, strong-willed man might not be so bad after all, so she does. As for Flash Gordon, his bones are picked clean by the few remaining birdmen who have become vultures or something for some reason.
3: Do you have another fever dream that'll happen this week? (laughs) (laughs) So, no questions? Right, Gaz, go ahead. (laughs) I guess the main question is, how does Ming see the Hawkman in the distance in, in your version when he didn't in the film?
1: He just looks out the window because he didn't in the
3: film.
0: Oh,
1: okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> The crucial moment, looking out the window or yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> that sliding doors moment.
1: They announce the gun salute, but he doesn't look out the window. All he doesn't mind is just turn. Oh, wait, what's that? What are those slow-moving dots? <laughs> Deploy the meat on a string. Exactly. <laughs> That's what Falcon is using, isn't it? The old meat on a Falcon string. Falconers, yeah.
4: Uh, How yeah. big
1: is this piece of meat? Ah, oh, it's massive, massive. Bigger than Brian Blessed. Two steaks, solid together. Well, we're talking a ton, a couple of ton. Oh yeah, I'd say a ton of mongo meat. Jesus. For one beard man. No, it gets them all.
3: What animal is it from? Oh, uh, mongo giant cow.
1: Oh, I thought the seed got them all in the birdhouse. The rest of them go for the seed, yeah.
3: Okay. Do birds of prey eat seed and use birdhouses?
0: Yeah. Okay.
3: That's all I needed to
0: know. These are space, birds of prey. They're mongovores. They're the editors. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> okey Gaz. Oh, piss, poo, fart on a shoe, Flash. Must you really save planet Earth? They're a bunch of absolute, dash it all, I'm going to say it, banana brains. Yes, they're a bunch of banana brains, and I don't like the way they carry on. I want the moon to crash into their planet. Be a friend and let me. I'll give you an unlimited supply of my chub-enhancing drink. You might be young and fit now, but trust me, when you get to my age, it is substantially harder to gain and maintain an erection. A couple of drops and <laughs> boing, zoom, straight to the poon. What ties do you have to Earth, really? You don't speak of any friends or relatives. It's only Dale you seem to really like. And I bet even if you somehow managed to beat me, unlikely though that is, you would choose to stay on Mongol as a Duke. A kick ass Duke. I can do that now. Make you Duke Flash. Yes. And the unlimited supply of Lobon Juice and a <laughs> top of the range space car. Also, I promise to change my name to Ming the Merciful and fully intend to live up to my new nomenclature. Oh, you agree? How wonderful! How terribly, terribly grand! Ming, of course, had his fingers crossed behind his back and reneged on his agreements with Flash. But only after the Earth was destroyed. (laughs) Flash defeats Ming in the same fashion as in the film, or does he...? The end. <laughs> <laughs> Bribery, basically. Mm. He bribes him with lots and lots of stuff. A bit more than, because in the
2: film, it's just like, oh, I'll give you a kingdom. Mm. And I'll say, it doesn't lay it on thick,
3: so. My guess is that Gaz missed that bit. 'Cause I did. And Gaz wasn't paying as much attention as I was.
1: Yeah. yeah, for sure. He was on the internet looking at photos of donkeys wearing hats.
3: <laughs> Tittering. Like what's his face, Tommy was there. Yeah. So that green drink is like spaced by Agra.
1: Yeah. I thought it was given to the women to help them forget. Yeah,
0: that's what I thought. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. I've misunderstood. Yeah. Obviously worked on Gaz. Well, this is a different drink in that case from the Galaxy of Pleasure.
3: Oh, I see. a a blue drink (laughs) maybe he tells Flash that it's going to give him an erection but actually it makes Flash forget what Ming was just telling him makes him more
0: playable
1: you just stumbled on a very clever idea there guys (laughs) did I? whether you know it or not
0: (laughs) as in literally stumbled, tripped over it and landed face first on the floor broke my nose (laughs) yeah, very good Right. Craig, what have you got
2: for
3: us? Ming watches impassively as Zarkov, Dale and Flash are ushered closer to his throne. Initially uninterested in the feelings or actions of such primitive beings, the Emperor soon finds himself instinctively observing their body language, social cues and physicality. Ming collects brides and concubines as one might pocket lint rather than say a proud stamp collection however something is different about this one perhaps it's his insatiable boredom or some base animal instinct but Ming begins to study her physicality her soft curves and hard edges her revealing attire her lustrous blonde hair Yes, Flash will make a suitable bride. (laughs) With his ring still in peak condition, Ming is able to will Flash into his thrall, making her writhe and convulse with pleasure. Where, in another lifetime, Ming might have stopped short with Dale, he instead brings Flash to the peak of ecstasy causing her to come all in his pants in front of everyone. <laughs> Emasculated, Flash begins to sob uncontrollably to the disgust of both Dale and Princess Aura, who only like manly men. Princes Voltan and Baron laugh hysterically, making obscene wanking gestures and exaggerated cum faces <laughs> at the violated, <laughs> soggy jock. With no one left to unite the disparate tribes of Mongo in revolution, any thought of insurrection is quashed, and Flash is happy to wed the Emperor and claim some standing in society with a shred of dignity. The Earth is destroyed, and Mongo becomes a groovy disco
0: paradise. So he sexually assaults Flash. Yes. And that's it. (laughs) <laughs> why is that
1: the cornerstone of so many
0: of your plans uh,
3: I'd like to say it's not the cornerstone of next week's plan but it definitely is <laughs> does he
2: assault him or does he uh, woo him and then
1: yeah
3: well no he uses the ring to make him come in his okay. pants
1: okay yeah mm mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not consensual, Turner. It's not, no. No,
3: that's not. No, it's not, okay.
1: Sorry, Cinevaster, you lovely, lovely, sexual-voiced man.
3: Because <laughs> I think if he had kept it up with Dale, because he chooses to stop using the ring on her, he says, so, oh, I've seen enough or something. But if he kept going, it would have been a Merovingian situation. And I yeah. say he could do that to Flash, and uh, that would just be the last lingering threat of Flash's masculinity crushed in front of everybody, just soggy knickers. Yeah, Ming made me cum, mercilessly. Could have that on his t-shirt. Front page of the the sun. And remember, at this point, Ming's ring is in peak condition. Not weakened like it is later on.
1: Still elastic. (laughs) (laughs) What is the overarching attitude towards same-sex marriage on Mongo?
3: It's not even thought about, they don't care about gender norms and all that bullshit on Mongo. It's very kind of progressive and groovy. Look at Ming, he wears eyeshadow. He dresses like Camp Devil. <laughs> I tell you what, eyeshadow and a bald head is a strong look. Isn't it? And in his mind, when he's looking at Flash, he's using what we would consider female gender pronouns to describe Flash. To Ming, Flash is every woman. Excellent.
2: He <laughs> seems to be a very sexualized society at some points, doesn't it? And I don't think really we can say with any confidence that this wouldn't be beyond the realms of possibility. No. I like it. I like it a lot.
1: Well, Aura's carrying around the little guy on a lead, so... Yeah. I suppose anything goes on mongo. That's
2: it, yeah. I'd say so. And who's to say? Ming might be wondering what earthlings are like. They might look like mongos I guess, but could they have secrets
1: in their undercrackers? You're going to find out. It's going to happen. <laughs> I think we have a shared ancestry, us and
3: the Mongos. Feels like it, doesn't it? Maybe we're not so different after all. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Ming has seeded other worlds, and they're the ones that, ah, that can display things.
1: That's another button just next to hot hail, spunk rain.
3: Because he says at one point, doesn't he, that he's very old, like he's thousands of years old? Right, he does say yeah. that. So maybe he was Tiller the Hun. Yeah. Went for a little vacation on Earth. Kind of like uh, when Picard and Riker go to the sex planet Ricer in Star Trek Next Generation. It's just a little shagging
0: wagon. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds more like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 yeah. to me. Kurt Russell's yeah. character. What he does seeding planets very literally.
1: If this planet's a rockin'. Don't come, come
2: a-knock <laughs> Okay, then. Well, I'm going to uh, punch our tickets and get us on home. After Flash Gordon's survival from execution, Ming recognizes him as a threat. With the other tribes of Mongo already at each other's throats and clamoring for his favor or his downfall, Ming demands that Baron and Voltan send him emissaries so that they can coordinate how to track Gordon down. Little do they know, these emissaries are turned into agents of Ming, with that mind-ray laser thing. Unlike the clever earthling Zarkov, the feeble-minded clans of Mongo are easier to alter. Having been programmed to be loyal to Ming, and also with their despicable scheme, the emissaries are sent back to Barin and Voltan to sow mistrust and deception. The emissaries tell their former tribal leaders that Ming hasn't botched an execution. They've been witness to that he secretly let Gordon escape to bring an end to the feud factions. Baron and Volton saw how Gordon made a mockery of Ming's imperial guard on his own. Perhaps a demonstration of his power? What could Gordon do to them? They individually reached similar conclusions, that if they can defeat Gordon, in whatever means necessary, this will prove to Ming their superiority, not just over Gordon, but over the other tribes of Mongo. As Voltan tracks Gordon's little red ship, he sees it heading to Aboria and to Barin. But before he can get there, Voltan attacks the ship en masse with his hawkmen, easily taking out the vessel as it burns, twizzling out the sky and smashing into Barin's favourite big tree. As Voltan cackles his victory song, he swoops off to tell Ming that he has defeated Gordon, proving that the Hawkmen are the strongest of Ming's servants. As Ming raises a suggestive eyebrow, he is now free to finish planet Earth in whatever fashion he chooses. Gordon's dead? He's dead by my hand, Ming! (sighs) Yeah, so basically, use that doohickey ray. The one that doesn't work? The one that doesn't work on Zarkov, but
3: he must have used it before. And the feeble-minded minds of Mongo. Why doesn't he just use it on everybody? It's too much of a good thing. I thought what that was telling us is that that doesn't work. And it was all just a ploy to make Zarkov think that he was being clever. But then actually they're watching him, aren't they? And they know what he's doing. They are
2: watching him, yeah. But they must have been watching him. It's like a security, aren't they? They think they've wiped his mind, but then they'll go, we'll, we'll keep an eye on him as well. But he's too smart for them.
1: They think he's become their spy, right? That's why they're watching him.
3: Yeah, that's it. Well, why do they need that if they can just view him on the screen? That's stupid. I thought that whole thing was a ruse to make him give up their plans because he was like, oh, yeah, they think that I'm their guy, but I'm really your guy. But then actually they were like, huh, we're not that stupid, pal. We're watching you. Yeah,
2: they're watching him. But they've got all the technology in, haven't they?
1: He said that he was singing some kind of Beethoven or something in his head, yeah. which made him just remember, stop it. right?
2: But the, 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 the clans of mm. Mongo don't have... Gaz has no Mozart. idea what's
0: going on here, is so he? He's Googling it. <laughs> no, no, no. I wrote that down, actually, somewhere. <laughs> what he was thinking. Shakespeare. Shakespeare, oh, yeah. the Beatles, and Beethoven, is what he says. That's it, yeah. Anyway,
2: back to my plan. So they use that on just the... Standard mongos who were feeble and not as clever as Zarkov was, and then use that as to, to create agents to sow distrust among the tribes. Tell you what,
1: the mongos won't have access to Beethoven, no, exactly, the Beatles, exactly, or William Shakespeare, the works thereof. Yes, you might,
3: that one because didn't it get sent into space by NASA? Probably.
2: I reckon they could also use Ming's ring to make them jizz their pants
3: and then, as they're
1: coming, wipe their minds.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> They'll be distracted anyway, so they won't be able to think of
1: anything. The one thing that makes your plan very viable is that actually in the film Dirty Brian Birdman, he says that he wants to kill Flash to gain favour from Ming already, so he wouldn't need much pushing.
2: You see the start as well. Baron and him are right at his to the throat and they keep going, ah! Ah!
1: Like that, don't they? Yeah, but I mean, particularly the Birdmen. Yeah, the Birdman Brian. He's the last one, isn't he, to get on board? Exactly. So I think it's a it's a good angle.
2: So what did you think, there, old peril pals? Some truly deviously diabolical schemes, don't you think? We had Ben's meat-on-a-string Hawkman plan, Gaz's bribery on Flash, but double time, and then we had Craig's Ming's ring on Flash. Double time. Uh, Double time. (laughs) 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 And then we had mine secret agent plan, but who are we going to vote for? Ben! Who have you voted for?
1: I've voted for the plan that is the most likely to succeed, and that is the Cinemaster's plan. Oh. You can see some angled eyebrows. above, Raised eyebrows. The Cinemaster there.
3: <laughs> Craig, who have you voted for? I voted for the plan that I found the most persuasive. Gaz. Gaz. Oh, Lob on juice, <laughs> which
1: was the best phrase from Gaz's plan this week.
0: <laughs> I enjoyed boing, Zeem straight to the poon myself. That was good. I have voted for Craig. And Gaz, who have you voted for? Well, we're going to make it a full house. Everybody gets a vote because I have voted for Ben. Oh, oh wow. Circle jerk achieved. Well done, everybody. <laughs>
3: Hope you're all satisfied. So how has that <laughs> dramatically changed the leaderboard. I wonder.
0: Wow. <laughs> so, after episode seventy-three, the scores stand at in the lead with fourteen points. Is the Cinemaster in? How'd that happen? No, hang on. There, yeah, right, son. <laughs> in the lead with sixteen <laughs> points is Craig. Second place with fourteen points mm-hmm. is the Cinemaster. Third place with twelve points is yours truly. And last place with ten points Ooh. is Ben.
1: Double figures. Coming Oof. at you like a shark, double figures. <laughs> Gonna play with kids in the park, double figures. <laughs> play with
2: kids That's in the me. park.
1: <laughs> this time
2: of night. Nice. So, next week, Ben has the honor of choosing our film. So, Ben, what have you picked for us next week?
1: Well, next week, we are going to be dissecting a classic anime ooh. known in Japan as Kenku no Shiro Raputa. Ah, uh-huh, I know. What that means. Known in the West as Castle in the Sky. Yeah. Please
2: tell me why Do we build castles in the sky That one Yeah, that one And that brings us to the end of this week's episode Thank you for listening And I hope you've enjoyed yourselves as much as we have If you have, please leave us a five-star review Wherever you get your podcast from And don't forget to follow us So that you never miss an episode you can also follow us across social media on at Diabolical. Award. So until next time dear listeners, who wants to live forever?
1: <laughs> Flash! <laughs> oh,
4: oh, bah, bah. Save every <laughs> one of us! <laughs>
0: <laughs>
4: Flash! Oh! <laughs> <laughs>
2: he's a Save <miracle. laughs>
1: <laughs> General one of us approaching! What do you mean? <laughs> Dispatch Ajax and Warlock to bring back his body. Craig?
2: Gals? Yeah, Gals, Gals is just yawning. <laughs> you not say me, did you? <laughs> <I> Didn't <know>. he?
3: <laughs> Raining down like hail. I like that as a phrase. It's a like Kerouac. <laughs> <laughs> I still quite enjoy that, though. I really like the showdown between drunk Superman and Clark. That's really cool. Yeah. Mm, yeah,
0: in the scrapyard.
1: I love it when he straightens the Tower of Peas and stuff yeah. like that. <laughs> and the guy's selling them
0: oh, yeah. outside.
3: It's fucking hilarious.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys remember the name of my black cat? No. Your black cat, what? when you were growing up? No, no. The one that we had that died like two years ago. Wasn't it Walton Goggins? It wasn't Walton Goggins. That was the other cat. No, he was called Flash. We all watched the one with the evil Emperor... Minge.
1: <laughs> no, Emperor Wang the Perverted.
3: Wang? <laughs> Why didn't they go with Emperor Minge? That's way better. Scientist Dr. Flexi Jerkoff. Princess Oral. Amora, sadly. Ah, they should let me make this fucking film. Rubbish. Oh, yeah. Pockets full of bacon. That's what's going on. Pretending that your cat's, cat loves you. Really, you've got pate down your ears. <laughs> <laughs> I know what will impress the lads, he thought. Are you balancing a sardine on your lip? I thought it was a moustache, <laughs> but now I'm not so sure. <laughs> I've got one question about the plot and set design, which is a weird contrivance. So Flash and Dale end up going to space with Dr. Zarkov because he needs someone else to help him pilot the rocket. Why? He needs to press a button on the other side of the rocket. <laughs> yeah, why does he put a pedal on his side of the rocket? That's not what I mean about <laughs> the flimsy first act.
1: It was so contrived. <laughs> What do you reckon that pedal did, Craig? You've got a background in rocket engineering. <laughs>